Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. And welcome back once again. I'm glad you're out there listening. This is the Middle Age Warriors on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Chris, and he is Rick. But Rick, he's he's on he remote somewhere. Where's I'm that? on location. On location. We like to say, as I said last week, when I was doing my interview and you were with Max, and I was doing Danielle, I said, uh, actually, Chris is on location right now. So no, you had me on a assi- you had me on assignment. On assignment. That's, <laughs> That's it, different. Not location. We're on assignment. You're on location, but uh, you're on location with a very special guest back for the second time on our show, the yeah. one and only radio chick, Leslie Gold. Hey, Leslie. Uh, thank- thanks for having me on again. I can't believe you invited me back. That's fantastic. You were great, actually. <laughs> and the last time you were on was, I'm thinking it was in March. Right now seems like years ago. Yes. Um, and we were talking about the hunt for medical coverage when right. your insurance good is up. health coverage it's like good the hunt for a unicorn and can you tell the <laughs> story is. of what happened when we finished that day and you went out to walk moses your dog oh was that the day that oh, was the, the day, day. That, yes that's the, i went out to deal with my terrorist of a dog and he pulled me <laughs> off my feet and i broke my wrist so later in that day i needed my unicorn of a health care <laughs> and i have needed it every day since i mean how i ironic though that we spent a whole show talking about that and just hours later you go out and well you put it you put it right to work didn't you yeah so, plus uh, how I, are you? I, as i recall i was kind of smug about it i'm like well i'm healthy so i don't really need yeah. that much right and then i ended up in a cast and we jinxed you right proving you never know but you're feeling better i hope yes. thank That's you good to hear. cast is off and uh i can do everything but cut a watermelon well you'll get there eventually <laughs> That's what your husband's for anyway. So it's great to be on location. I am down here with Valerie and visiting Leslie Carmine and Moses. They're (laughs) they're Vishla? Vishla. Vishla. Right. uh, Who's a crazy dog. Mushugana doesn't even begin (laughs) to characterize Moses. But I got to tell you, because this will make you laugh, that we decided that Leslie and Carmine, are we at liberty to talk about your your firearms, or you already did? <laughs> we liberty to? Well, by that question, you already we edit. did. I guess so. Uh, but I I want to get them a sign that says "Protected by Guns and Moses." Ah, very nice, uh, very nice. Look at you, me. boy. You. Not one gets past you, Rick. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, the reason. Um, Leslie, you're so appreciative of coming back, but what I want to address is what we started to talk about a little bit the last time you were on with us, which is this project that you were working on, and we didn't want to disclose too much uh, because you weren't ready, and now you're ready because it's up and running, and it's an amazing project, and I want you to tell us about it. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate being able to talk about it. At that time, it hadn't launched, but since then, it's launched, and there's two parts to it. Uh, There's a life story, L-I-F-E apostrophe S story. There is a public podcast where I speak to 13 extraordinary 
old people. And when I say old, I mean really up there, 90, 100, 103. And they all have done something extraordinary with their lives. So uh, for instance, uh, I have a woman who reversed her MS in the 80s and ended up winning medals at the National Senior Game in, in running. She went from wheelchair to medal winner. But another woman who's 103, I interviewed her at work, her work. <laughs> I interviewed, yes, I interrupted her work day. Um, yeah, a Holocaust survivor survived four, four Nazi death camps, the worst of all of them. He's got an incredible story to tell. And they're all really richly produced with historical sound and music and narration and a story arc uh, presenting their life stories. That's part one. Well, you know, you've got baseball season full swing, still playing hockey, and the NBA basketball playoffs have begun. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. And while I was doing the podcasts and recording these extraordinary people, I started to think of my own parents and they're gone now. My dad died at 95, my, sorry, 96. My mother died at 95. So they had a good long run, mm. but I miss them. And I wished I had done this for them. And I thought, I'm a broadcaster. Why didn't I think of this? Why didn't I record their stories and you know their life story? Because today I'd give anything to hear them tell their voice, their stories in their own mm -hmm. crystal clear voice. And with that, I thought, well, that's a service worth providing. So in addition to the season of the public podcast, A Life Story, um, the same team that puts it together, it's not just me, it's a team of professionals, uh, make ourselves available and are available for hire to do these, I'll call them personal audio documentaries privately. So right. we'll record the life story of your parent or your grandparent, and we'll do the exact same thing we do for the public podcast, the music, the narration, the historical sound. We do in-depth interviews. We interview other people that know your parents as well and can mm -hmm. add additional voices. Um, so it's a really richly produced piece. So far, people have been super flattered by the gift of it. Mm -hmm. Of course, they participate in the interviews, but when they hear the finished product, they can't believe that they are the star of this audio <laughs> documentary, right. right? And how wonderfully they come out. And of course, I can always draw a conclusion from someone's life, sort of a lesson from someone's life. And then I think that also one day their family, when they're gone, will be very, very glad that they have this. Typically, don't they say, that's what I sound like? No, <laughs> they, they don't say that. I think they know what they sound like, but mm. um, they're just, and even on the, the public series, as I was releasing the episodes and the, the person I'm featuring, heard their episode and their family heard their episode. Now I'm putting it out for public consumption, but of course right. they listen to it differently because it's them and their family. The feedback I got was so warm and wonderful. Mm -hmm. They were so grateful that I thought this is really 
a worthy service. So that's part two of it. Right. Is and that it, it, there's it, a public part and the for hire private part. But it truly is. And I think the value, and I had this conversation with Rick just you know before we started the show today, the value of hearing in their voice the story, whatever it is they're reflecting upon about their own lives, an interesting anecdote they wanted to tell. But I know on my phone, I have the last voicemail or message my wife left on my phone. Mm -hmm. And it was thanking me for recreating our daughter's uh, college graduation in the hospital room. And I will go back to that. And hearing it in her, I mean, I, you know, I knew it, I can replay it in my head. But when you hear her voice, and to have that type of thing go on generationally, for people who will never know her, or any of the people you're doing these shows about, you know, generationally to, oh, that was that was my great great grandmother, or that was aunt so and so. And I think that resonates so powerfully, and helps them connect to find out even who they are, because now they know and they heard where they came from, so to speak. It's so interesting you brought that up. When my father died, my nephew's son was a baby, a baby. But he, um, now he's seven or eight, he's still a kid, but mm. he's suddenly asking about his great grandpa. He mm. wants to know things about his great grandpa. He asks for pictures and stories and today he's curious. Now he can't really fully appreciate a full life story at seven or eight, but one day he will. And wouldn't, I thought, wouldn't it be fantastic if he could hear his great grandpa tell his own story yeah. Yeah. in his own voice? I mean, Absolutely. it really becomes a fairly family yeah. heirloom. And for me, as I was thinking of it, my, it, my father was sort of an, you know, a rough, irreverent, fire-breathing dragon of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, I adored him so, but I of course, I know his stories, but when I think about his stories, he would tell a story of, uh, they had, they grew up in the city and for some weird reason, they had a pet chicken and they were poor and they lived in a walk up and they were on the second floor and they, the chicken, they probably caught in the street somewhere and they made it a pet and they tied it on a rope on their front porch. <laughs> and one, the rope was too long. And one day they came home and oh, the no. chicken had jumped off the front porch and hung itself. Oh, oh my goodness. And it's a terrible story. <laughs> it's terrible. But he would laugh in the same spots <laughs> every time he told the story. And right. of course I know that story, but God, what I would give to hear him tell that story right. and laugh in the same spots. Now that story is interesting to nobody but me, right. maybe my brother and sister. <laughs> but for me, oops, for me, it's priceless. And I wish yeah. I had it recorded. It is. And the key is that everybody in their family or their, their, their history has those types of stories. Mine is the waffle machine is Vulcan. <laughs> and that's the story, Chris, I'll share with you some <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. it's one of those things I would die to hear my father's voice tell that mm. story again. And he's been gone for since 1989. So it's a long time. It long but before it, the internet, long before we were sitting in recording stuff on Zoom. But this is available and tangible and feasible now and accessible. Right. Yeah, it, it speaks to the power of voice and how connecting that is, the actual voice. Like you said, you you can remember a story, you can recant one to somebody else in your voice. It's not the same as when you're hearing it from the source, from the actual person that was behind it. I want to go back a little bit because I looked at some of the episodes you've done on the podcast. 
first of all, I don't know how you found some of these people, but one of the most interesting ones to me was the uh, Robina Asti, ah. who's, who's 99 years old. She was Robert Asti, a World War II veteran and pilot and transitioned to female back in the mid 70s. It's an incredible This story. is amazing. Yes, it's just an incredible story. And this was the first story of yours I heard and thought, oh my God, I can't believe what you're putting together. This is incredible. Let me strap in. Let me tell you a little bit about Robina Asti. Yeah. So uh, Robert Asti right. was a World War II pilot and uh, flew missions and came home from the war and got married and had children just like everybody else that was involved in World War II. And then had three children and one died in a weird freak snowmobile accident when the child was eight. And at that point, uh, although Robert had thought he handled the crisis internally, he really didn't. And he decided that he no longer wanted to be a man, he wanted to be a woman. And he transitioned to a woman, as you say, Chris, in the mid 70s, 1970s, not his age 70s, right. but in the 1970s, <clears throat> long before anybody knew anything about this or was in even, um, even slightly tolerant of it. So his two remaining teenage children, not too happy. They didn't even know parents who were divorced, never mind the reason why. Right. Uh, his wife, also not too happy, and his employer, not too happy. Mm -hmm. So he lost his job as the vice president of a financial institution. But uh, Robert Asti becomes Robina Asti and goes off in the world as a very singular individual, estranged from his family and all his friends. Now, Robina, still a pilot, though, is an important piece of information. Robina meets a man. Norwood Patton, who's an artist in New York City, and they start to date. And of course, Robina has to tell Norwood that she used to be a man. So she tells Norwood and Norwood leaves, of course, because everybody left at that right. point. Ten days later, Norwood calls and says, I've thought about it and I don't care what you were or who you were. I just want to know you. Oh, my God. Wow. They fall in love. They get married in an airplane hangar because Robina, Robert Robina is still a pilot. They lived for 20 years and Norwood dies at the age of 97. At this point, Robina is 94. She files for social security benefits as a widow and she's denied. The US government says, you were a man when you got married. And she says, oh, I beg your pardon. Here's my driver's license. Here's my passport from the time I was married. And here is my FAA license, all saying female. So Social Security Administration says, okay, we'll reconsider. We'll think about it. They take a year to think about it. And they come back and say, no, we're not paying you. And at 94, Robina gets mad and hires a law firm who ultimately did the work for free because they thought the cause worthy. And they fight Social Security. And not only did she get her benefits, she got the policy changed oh for goodness. everyone who came after her. Wow. Um, that's at 94. I speak to her at 99. At 99, she is about to go into the Guinness Book of World Records for the oldest active pilot and the oldest active flight instructor. Uh, 
she is uh, sitting next to the daughter she had been estranged from for 40 years. So I get that story of their estrangement and how they came back together and talk to other people. Rubin also started a foundation at that age called Cloud Dancers Foundation, which was to grant wishes to members of the aging LGBTQ community. Wow. So that's her life. Now here's one postscript to that. I know that was a long story, but it was very involved. When these episodes are done, I release them to the individual. Now they haven't gone out yet. They haven't been released publicly, but I'm very aware that they're 99 and they're 95 and they're 103 mm -hmm. and time feels different. Right. Sure. And we talk about life and loss and, and love and all the things that you can the kind of wisdom you can only get from someone who's kind of seen it all. And so uh, they're very grateful for the episode. In between the time that I interviewed Robina and the time it became public, she died. Oh. Now she had heard her episode and loved it and her family heard her episode mm -hmm. and loved it. And even though the podcast company told me not to release the episodes, I told them I'm not asking permission. I'm just doing it because you know, they're not going to start an RSS feed. They're a hundred years old, <laughs> right? They deserve like to hear it. what I, yeah, yeah I used a lot of their time. Absolutely. And so um, I was really heartbroken. I felt, even though I only had one three hour mm. uh, conversation with Rubina, which of course gets edited down to 35 minutes in a podcast, even though I only had one long conversation with her, I felt like I knew her and her family asked me to speak at her memorial. Oh wow. my goodness. Which wow. I was blown away and sure. a little bit afraid because mm -hmm. I didn't know her that well, but I was so honored by it that I agreed to do it. And um, I was very touched that they asked yeah. me. No, that that story is so layered. I can't, you know, you can't even begin to get, you know, into the, the, the details and the different people and the impact and the transitions and changes and the time that this took place. I remember, you know, when you were talking about it being in the 70s, I'm vaguely remembering an episode. This is kind of a weird throwback. There was a show with Chad Everett called Medical Center. Oh, sure. And, I remember that. And uh, who was Mr. Brady? Uh, uh, what's the actor's name? Uh, Robert Reed. Robert Reed was a character in that, in an episode, and he was getting a sex change from a man to a woman. And I remember being fairly young, like, I was like, what? I couldn't quite understand what was going I, yeah. on there. And the fact that this man did this uh, and became Robina at that time, I can't, I don't think we could even begin to comprehend what the struggle must have been like in, in moving forward once she became a woman, how society treated and handled it. And then that love story on top of that afterwards, it's just, it's, it, that's a, it's just it's a mind blowing just a, story. It, the, everyone that I featured in this uh, first the first season has been extraordinary. And just to think about someone becoming an activist at 94, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Sort of an active, accidental activist. I think of another episode coming up, it's Beverly Schottenstein. And Beverly Schottenstein is a wealthy woman. She is a widow of a member of the Schottenstein retail dynasty. And they own things like DSW shoes and American Eagle Outfitters and big lots. And, um, she was strong-armed into giving her her grandsons management of her fortune. Mm -hmm. And she was gaslighted, ripped off, fraud, you know, she was taken advantage fraudulently. She had property taken away from her, oh from her family. 
And at 94, she fought back and she won. And I won't tell you the details of that because it's coming up. But that's also interesting to me because she was just a nice lady her whole mm -hmm. life, just a lovely, nice lady. But at 94, she found the grit to fight back. She, she wasn't even a sophisticated investor, but she sure knew right from wrong. And she thought wow. fighting for what's right was worth fighting for. Hey, I want to tell you about our very adult sponsor that is Adam and Eve. You know, free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select almost any one item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Enter offer code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item that you'll both enjoy. And there's six free spicy movies as well, plus free shipping. So that's BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, that's the offer code BLEAV at checkout at adamandeve.com. I mean, all of these stories are amazing. And I think really, you know, our show is middle-aged warriors. We're talking about people that are like latter-aged warriors, but they truly are warriors. This past story, you're talking about somebody 94 fighting for her, her own personal cause. I mean, I'm thinking, Rick, if we're around at 94, we're just going to be fighting to and hope to find the TV remote where the hell that went, you know? I mean, it's just... <laughs> but for, for your listeners who are middle-aged warriors, these are their parents. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And so I would encourage anyone who's thinking about this or would think, wow, this would be a great Father's Day gift, which oh, yeah. I believe it would be. Mm -hmm. Look, Dad, I got a tie for you. <laughs> Who needs another tie? Another no one? one even wears a tie anymore. <laughs> exactly. But Good I would point. encourage uh, if encourage your listeners, if you're thinking about it, don't wait until it's too late. Right. Yeah. Even right. somebody called me to interview their 104 year old father. But by now he had become very confused sure. and he couldn't really tell his own life story even sure. though he was here yeah. so he's not he's not capable of really recounting it so don't wait wait to that point yeah. and one day you'll be like me and you'll so wish that you had this i'm right. still back on rowena's story i mean that story is mind-boggling staggering i grew up as a kid as a Yankee fan in a Mets household. <laughs> and then I had to come out and become a Mets fan. That was your on. transition? That was <laughs> really? So I can't even. I don't think that was quite as difficult. Is that yeah. right? That was that your burden? Part of my burden. <laughs> not, not quite as difficult. That and being a junior Jewish, a Jewish junior. <laughs> but I, I do want to go to another story, if you can give us a little, because some of the details uh, I was looking at also were shocking what she's overcome. And that's, I guess it's Eleanor Pendergraft. Oh. And she was dealing with MS. Now, did she, is that correct? She had six children and they sort of, they took the children away from her because she was wheelchair bound or, or you know. Yes, uh, Eleanor Pendergraft is a lovely Southern lady. She's 86 or 87 now. She had a bum of a husband and a um, tough upbringing, I would say as well, sort of an abusive father as well. She got married, had six kids. Uh, started to develop MS, but it was misdiagnosed and it just got worse and worse. And she began dropping things and falling. And the doctor said, you can no longer care for your six children. Wow. And she had to have her children put away in foster care because she was no longer physically able to take care of them. Eventually she got properly diagnosed. She, she had a lot of drama in her life. She lost a job along the way due to her bum of a now ex-husband. Um, he left her and the children, he didn't want the children as well. He would rather see them go in foster care mm -hmm. than raise them himself. 
And one day in her 70s, a doctor said to Eleanor, you've got a mess, you're getting worse, and you'll never get any better. And she, something inside her said, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And she said out loud to him, you're wrong. And that day she marched herself into a gym. And when I say marched, it's really dragged. Mm. She was in a wheelchair by that point. She went from two cane, one cane to two canes, two canes to a walker, a walker to a wheelchair. And she rolled herself into the gym. And the gym teacher, who I also spoke to, said, I hope she's not coming to my class because I can't mm. do anything for this woman. And of course <clears throat> she was in that class. It was a silver sneaker class. Mm. Little by little, Eleanor did whatever she could. She could sit in a chair and raise a leg. That's what she could. I won't give away everything. It's coming out next week. But she went from the wheelchair back to the walker, back to two canes, back to one cane. And one day she was looking at the track in the gym and she said, I'd like to run. I'm not content walking. I'd like to run. And everyone said, are you crazy? Yeah, really. Please don't get on that track. You're going to get hurt. Someone's going to roll you over. Look how far you've come, Eleanor. Don't do it. And one day when the gym was not very busy, she dropped her canes and started to run. She didn't run very far, but she started to run. And she's been running ever since. And the upshot is she ends up in the National Senior Olympics competing at the national level and winning medals. She got her children back. She did everything. Wow. I mean, they don't get that. The stories don't get any more inspirational than that. That's phenomenal and almost superhuman sounding. It's it's that's right. So today, you know, there's uh, my favorite photo of her is cross at 86 crossing the finish line (laughs) with her arms up in the air in victory. Mm -hmm. No, the, the, and the, all of these are really beautiful stories in their own way, and they're all so unique, and I think people really should should give them a listen. And I think it's awesome now that you're providing this service to people where they could sort of create their own on a, on a much more personal level. want to break it down real quick be- before we let you go, some of the options. And people, when they go to the website, will be able to see them. But can you just kind of give us a quick encapsulation? I know one level is called the message, then there's the event, there's a love story, and then there's the master piece. So what's the message? What would people get out of that? Okay. So each of these personal audio documentaries, there's four levels that we offer. So far, talking with you, I've really only focused on the masterpiece because Mm -hmm. it's the most analogous to the public season of what I'm doing. So if you want your, your parent or your grandparents' full life story, you want the masterpiece. The love story, I'll go backwards. Mm -hmm. The love story is where I chronicle the uh, two people at the time they're falling in love, when they're newly engaged or they're about to get married. And they talk about why he loves her so much and why she loves him so much. And we speak to the best friend who was there at the first date who saw the magic happen. And also perhaps the mother-in-law who is talking, the future mother-in-law is talking about why she is perfect for him. And we chronicle that love story. So you have it. It's a wonderful engagement or a wedding gift. And as I, I love my Carmine dearly, but sometimes I look at him in his dirty sweatpants, shuffling around the house, looking, staring at his phone while oh, I'm trying on. to talk to him. And I think, what, what is it? I thought about, what is it I felt for you? Somebody had made a tape to right. tell me why. Yeah, so I wish that. again, that's a moment that I wish I had captured in our lives. So I could go back and revisit it and mm. 
relive it and remind myself why I'm so in love with him and why he was so in love with me. And it's something that you can keep for the rest of your life. Moving down a step, there's something called the event. And that's great for, uh, say, a work event or an anniversary, special anniversary. Let's say someone you work with is retiring. We'll get everybody that you like who worked with that, that person as a colleague, or maybe they were their boss or as a mentor. Mm-hmm. And we'll put together a little bit of their, their chronicle at work and what everyone thought of them, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the event. And that's a wonderful keepsake if somebody yeah. is, um, is retiring. The message is the shortest and the least expensive of all, all of it, but that's just, let's say, It's a special birthday or a graduation. And a father wants to tell his son, son, I'm so proud of you that you graduated. That time when you got arrested and we thought you were going to jail, (laughs) we really didn't think it would happen, but you've made mom and I proud and look at you, you're on your way. You are, uh, you're going to be a wonderful adult. We weren't sure for a while, but now we see you're going to be a wonderful adult. Congratulations. We love you. By the way, you owe me. $50,000 $50,000 for bail. <laughs> yeah, right. Or so for the tuition I paid together. for. It. And that's just a short little message that you want to convey a mm. sentiment. And we fully produce that and we give it to whoever you want. And they have that sentiment forever. Awesome. Wow. I mean, you're full service. Yes, full yeah. service. So in terms of the podcast, I'm I'm kind of I'm not sure a little bit. Is it is it now out there? Yes. And where, where would people find your podcast? So you can find it on Apple or Google or Spotify or any, you know, Stitcher, okay. uh, DoublePod, any of the usual platforms. If you don't know where to go, go to alifestory.net. Again, with two S's, two S's. in the middle, alifestory.net. You can listen to the public podcast there. And also it's the same location to find, about the pro- find out about the private services. So if you wanted to do a personal story for somebody uh, assuming you had the access that you needed to get, how long start to finish do you think is the production? Uh, you're talking about the masterpiece, the yeah. full life story? Yeah. Weeks, right? Yeah. From start to finish, it's probably a three-week process. So now you will go, do you go to the individual? I mean, because obviously we're in a little bit of a funky time right now, but how how is how does that work in terms of the so audio I quality? Send- Yeah, I send microphones ahead Mm -hmm. because I want crystal clean audio and I use a special program. It's called Squadcast, which is not hard to do. All the technologies on my end. And so I get that very clean audio from whoever I'm interviewing. And we make sure that they're in the right environment, a quiet room with not Mm -hmm. a lot of echo. So again, being an audio person like you are, Chris, or, or Rick is, you know, we care about that. Mm-hmm. that the nuance That's of somebody's funny. voice we want to retain that so i get that and i do that with everyone i interview so everybody gets perfectly clean audio and then cool. i research for historical sound that will apply they are a veteran in world war ii i, I don't I, I find the you know the the battle they fought in i find audio for the battle that they fought in and we insert it in the right moment or if i need to ground something in the time let's say it's talking to a woman who was a feminist in the 70s as Mm. the women's movement were coming on i'll find audio from a march that she marched in or Hmm. something else that grounds that can really relate to everyone what life was like in that time make it much more i do narration there's a story arc and then we get it scored 
actually. Wow. So the there's many pieces of music in it, again, underscoring the emotion of the moment in their life. Mm -hmm. It's a big process, but when it's done, it's a beautiful piece of audio storytelling. I'm really, really proud of it. Before you go, you want to give a shout out to, I know a couple of guys that, that are responsible for working on some of that for you uh, on this project. Yes. And who are they? So I'm working with uh, Jam Street Media, which is an old radio colleague of mine from mm -hmm. WNEW. I was wow. a radio broadcaster for many years. Ah, the good old days. That's right. A guy named Matty Stout, who was a producer in radio and then went on to be a podcast overlord. He was the, <laughs> truly, he was the first vice president of podcasting at iHeart. Yeah, and now he's got that. his own company, Jam Street Media. And then my um, my co-editor, uh, who actually scores the music on these pieces, is a wonderfully talented person called Casey Franco. And then again, we have other people at our disposal. So if you would prefer a private project and you'd rather not have a female narrating it, you'd rather mm -hmm. have a male narrating it, we have professional males oh, who do really? exactly what I do. Can you give your website address the best way people can access you? L, oh, sorry. It'd be nice if I could spell. A, <laughs> L-I-F-E-S-S-T-O-R-Y.net. A life story.net. Yeah, the, the tricky part there when I first put it in was I, I dropped an S. So it's it's life's. There's an S for life's and there's the S obviously for story. So right. So there is no apostrophe, but in, no. in URLs, <laughs> but that's the idea. It's apostrophe s life. Well, Leslie, thank, thanks so much for taking time, sharing some of these stories with us. I look forward to hearing more of them. And I think the service that you're providing people, once this really catches on and people, this is one of those things when somebody goes, hey, you know, I, I took a shot and had this done and it's so beautifully done and they yeah. have other people hear it. I think everybody's going to want to jump in on this because it, it, it's something that's, it, it's just beautiful. And it's a great way to capture somebody's spirit yeah. even when they move beyond and they and they can go generationally beyond that point. Yeah, it's not only a gift for them, it's a gift for you mm -hmm. later. Yeah. And I would say, humbly speaking, your father doesn't need another brunch. Mm -hmm. Think about this for fathers. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's a good starting point. Uh, any last thoughts, uh, Mr. Rick? Just, you know, you and I have known that Leslie's working on this. She told us a little bit and gave us a little sneak preview back in March. But as I have learned more about it, I am absolutely blown away, especially by looking at the number of people that we've lost in our lives over the last 18 months and thinking about ground zero where Leslie is in putting this together. I think it's brilliant. I am so glad that you spent some time with us today. Aww. I hope that we are helpful in getting you business, getting you customers and getting you stories because they're out there and they're amazing and they Absolutely. need to be told. No, and uh, I can't think of a much better storyteller than uh, Leslie, especially the chicken story. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> with, with that, everybody be well, stay safe out there. And uh, and well, I'm sure we'll talk again, Les. You take care All of yourself. Right. Chris, thank you so much, Rick. Thank you so much for having me again. I so appreciate it. Well, Leslie, again, working on an amazing project. I mean, this, yeah. this is really very inspiring. It's very smart. Uh, and it's something I think that's going to be a great gift for a lot of people for years and years to come. It's, it's, a, it's a great concept. And don't you wish you had not thought of it and done it, but had access to it to 
get some people like your dad before he passed away or yeah. I think about my parents before they passed away. And this is really what drove her was the fact that her parents are both gone, as she said in the interview. And uh, once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, you, you you don't really have that ability to to capture them as well as what this project that she's doing for these people and hold on to that forever because that's kind of the cool thing about it. And, uh, you know, I, I really, I think this is something that once more and more people hear about it, I, I, I think it's going to so catch too. on. Yeah, I, I think, think so. so too. So now for you, real quick, before we say goodbye, um, I had traveled a few times actually intermittently uh, during the, the whole pandemic. But this was the first time uh, you left your ground zero here in the New York metropolitan area. So yeah. what was the experience like for you heading down to Florida? I can tell you, it, it was relatively smooth. First of all, I was really impressed with how many people at the airport of LaGuardia, New York, were masked up um, because I think New Yorkers are still behaving as if we're in the heat of the pandemic, whereas the rest of America... I don't necessarily get that same feeling. Uh, and once we got down here to Florida, I saw my first waitress without a face mask. Um, I saw a lot of people not wearing face masks. And I have to tell you, I don't know. Do you know Florida at all? Have you spent any time down here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Both coasts from Naples to down to Miami and up to Fort Lauderdale, that whole area. Yep. We're north of Lauderdale by West Palm, and uh, we were in Delray Beach on oh, yeah. Sunday on Sunday night at nine ten o'clock. And I swear to God, it looked like the Hamptons mm -hmm. on on a Saturday night in July. Yeah, that strip. I it think was, it's called Atlantic Avenue. There's a there's Atlantic a, there's, Avenue. Yeah, yeah. I, I've it been there a few times. Out. Yeah, it's, it's oh, great you restaurants have? and things. And look, well, actually, I think you're going to be surprised when you come back up here because. Um, more and more restrictions are being dropped, including wearing masks in many locations now. And even some right. indoor indoor mask wearing is not mandatory. But it's funny you should say what you said about New Yorkers because there I've gone into a couple of places just in the last day or two where you don't have to wear a mask. They, they, it says, you know, worse. it's optional up to you yeah. if you've been vaccinated. And I didn't, Edmie and I went in and we didn't, but everybody around us still inside the store had a mask on and you start to feel like, Oh, am I being a rebel here? I don't, I don't know what, you know. So I think it's, it, this is going to be a process and we're going to feel our way through it, but it's an individual choice. And if you still feel safe wearing your mask, then go ahead and wear your mask. I'm not, you know, but on the other hand, if, if it seems relatively safe not to, then, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't like wearing a mask. I never did. I don't yeah. think it's human. I know people continue to go, oh, I'll keep wearing a mask. That's fine. But we weren't born with masks. We were born with a full face to be exposed. And so I prefer some, to go that route if I can. Uh, some for better, some for worse, by the yeah, way. So, <laughs> well, maybe that's the case. I don't want to get into that. It's a whole other can yeah. of worms you just, you just opened up. But I uh, do have so. to tell you one funny story, and that was going through security at LaGuardia Airport when I happened to give her my picture ID. And she said, I need you to take your mask off right. <laughs> because she needed to make sure I was the same person on the picture ID. Oh, yeah. You have to, you know, you, uh, yeah. they make us pull our mask. I used to pull it down and then snap it right back up. But yeah, yeah. I mean, how else are you going to know? I mean, that's kind of, I don't think you could take an ID, a passport picture with a mask and then use that for, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I know those eyes anywhere, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. But yeah. eventually that type of thing might even happen where we're using eye prints and all sorts of things to, uh, to, to make, make the security system move a little bit faster. But anyway, with that, 
enjoy the rest of your time down there. I'll see you when you get back. I'm heading south myself. That's uh, right, yeah. To visit Don Pablo in Puerto Rico for a few days for the Memorial Day weekend. And then we'll be back next week with a new show. And um, How old is he now? He is 89 in December heading for the big 9-0. And, uh, you know, he's doing pretty well. He, Maybe uh, you'll have to do uh, Leslie's live story. I was thinking, it's funny you would say that. I, I was thinking about that, but we have to have it bilingual because yeah, I was thinking Spanish, so we'll have yeah. to work something out. <laughs> but we'll go from there. But anyway, stay well. Enjoy the rest of your time there. Safe flight back, Mr. Rick. And to Valerie, Thank a belated you, happy birthday. I know it was yesterday. I wished her a happy birthday yesterday. Uh, Thank you. To our lovely announcer. And we'll come when you come back, we'll have a, we'll have a drink or two and celebrate on the rooftop uh, another birthday. At least. Whatever excuse we can find, we do. All right, sunshine always. Stay smart, be well, and uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Be good, feel good. We'll catch you next week or whatever the next time is for you here on the Believe Podcast Network with Middle Age Warriors. He's Chris. I'm Rick. Have a good one. We'll catch you soon. And once again, Middle Age Warriors brought to you by Bet Online. Hey, thanks for joining us again on Middle Age Warriors here on the Believe Podcast Network. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. Five stars would be really, really nice. Not that I'm trying to influence you or anything. Also, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Middle Age Warriors, your mileage may vary. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.